from the initial market recommendation from yourselves and the choosing of the property right through to the leasing process with the property manager, everyone has been just totally professional and the communication is excellent, especially with being such a, a long distance away. Welcome to this week's edition of Flashback Friday, your opportunity to get some good review by listening to episodes from the past that Jason has handpicked to help you today in the present and propel you into the future. Enjoy. This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company. For more information and links to all our great podcasts, visit HartmanMedia.com. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show. This is episode number 593, and this is your host, Jason Hartman. Thank you so much for joining me today. I have a question for you as we start the show, and it relates back to the last episode, so hopefully you know how to answer. What time is it? Yeah, what time is it? The answer, it's an amazing time to be alive. It's an amazing time to be alive. Do you feel, as do I, that every day you're reading about or hearing about some amazing new technology or some amazing new insight or discovery. It is just an incredible time. And one of the big reasons for this is that we live in such a networked economy. The whole world is so well networked and it's actually getting better. I mean, we've got, you know, another three billion or so people who are really, really coming online and starting to engage and share ideas with the rest of the world. Billions already are, of course, but it is only going to get better in terms of ideas. And, you know, every day I am uh, just just amazed at, at the kind of stuff that's going on in the world. So it's great. Not the least of which is China has ended their idiotic Malthusian destructive, awful, oppressive, one-child policy. Because they finally realized that their economy is headed for absolute disaster unless people have children to support the aging population. So they have ended that, and I guess China now has a two-child policy. (laughs) Boy, these these kinds of government controls are scary. And this is what you get from the environmental left. You know, you get this, this Malthusian idea that resources are scarce. They've been saying this for centuries, okay? And yet the human race, in its amazing ingenuity, has always, always 
overcome these problems. People are a resource. They are not a cost. They are a resource. It, it is just amazing. I mean, all of these discoveries that we read about, all of these new insights, all of these new inventions, where do they come from? They come from people. People, the greatest resource, not the greatest cost, the greatest resource we have. So hopefully you feel as I do and you like people and you look at them as a resource. It is an amazing time to be alive. Now today, well, you know, not only today, but we got some great episodes coming up for you. Uh, we're always trying to keep it real over here. We're coming up on episode 600. And today we're going to talk about nationwide property insurance. Really excited to have you here this guest today. You may know that I was very excited a few years ago, and I've talked about it on the show before, about a nationwide insurance program. Because as you understand, income property in our style of investing is a fragmented industry. It is fragmented where you have different players. They're all doing things a different way. You know, that that's just the nature of the real estate industry. And that's, I always say, embrace the fragmentation because that fragmentation is what keeps the institutional players out. They don't want to enter into this fragmented business. It's just too hard for them to streamline it and if and make it efficient for them you know they they can they can go on wall street and they can deploy billions of dollars in uh you know in a very quick fashion but in real estate the fragmented industry that it is it's much harder to do that and of course we know we've seen institutional players in our market but not in any real way compared to the wall street world the modern version of organized crime uh the famous quote by Warren Buffett, I wish I had it here to play, that you, you all know he said a few years ago, he talked about, he said, you know, what, what did he say? I'd buy a few hundred thousand single family homes if I could figure out a way to manage them, you know, and, and there you go from the Oracle of Omaha himself, right? Warren Buffett. So that opportunity has been preserved for us, for the small investor, for the middle class and upper middle class investor, and even for the dreamer just starting out like I was at age 20, uh, well, really at age 16, frankly, at age 20 when I purchased my first income property. And so that opportunity is here for us because it's fragmented. If it wasn't that way, Goldman Sachs would have swooped in and stolen all the opportunity from us. That's one of the wonderful things about it. But it would be so much easier if we had a way to have one insurance company insure our portfolios nationwide where we could have one point of contact, one source, and we could say, hey, you know, I've got properties in Tennessee, Texas, Georgia, Florida, and Indiana, for example, you know, might be different markets, but those are markets we obviously like. And um, you can see all those at jasonhartman.com under the properties section, of course. And I've got properties in all these places. And it would be so nice to just go to one source and have and get insurance for them. That would be easy. Now, several years ago, I discovered a company called National Real Estate Insurance Group or Affinity Group Management and had a terrible experience with them. 
And a few of our clients complained about them too. I was just in a, uh, a real estate forum actually yesterday and I don't know this company. I mean, are they hiring like shills to go and argue with people who complain about them in these forums? It sure felt like that. I mean, I can't believe that someone would be so quick to defend just a a company that they just know about, you know, that maybe they're a customer of. I don't know. You know, there are cult members for various companies. And boy, if you can get your company to that kind of level, it's great, you know, and I I would say that Apple has achieved that. Certainly, you know, there have been many people who have argued on behalf of Apple being Apple's advocate, you know, arguing over the virtues of Apple versus PCs, right? But yeah, this guy, John Gregory Hall, a real estate agent in uh, Austin, Texas, was just debating with me, debating, defending this company. And I'm like, why? I, you know, I and several other people in this forum are talking about the bad experiences they had with this company. And, um, you know, one person in the forum is litigating with them over a claim that they denied. And, you know, just not a good experience for me. Now, granted, maybe some people have happy experiences and more power to you. I know that one person, at least, had a claim with this company, um, National Real Estate Insurance Group or Affinity Group Management. By the way, why do they have this complicated name? You know, this big, long, double name. Is it so it's kind of like harder for people to refer to them? I mean, if you just want to say State Farm or Allstate, the good hands people, um, that's a great saying, by the way, it's easier for you to refer to them, but they got this big, long, complicated name I never understood. So we're not going to hear from this company today because I did not have a good experience with them at all. Um I filed a claim on a property and, you know, they denied the claim, but, you know, that's in, I mean, the, the law, the courts and the, the, the history of cases is riddled with insurance bad faith. I mean, you know, this is not an uncommon thing at all where insurance companies, you know, they like collecting the premiums, but when the claim comes along, they don't like to pay the claim if they can, if they can avoid it. But a couple of people said they had good experiences with them where their prop, their house burnt down. Okay. Well, I guess it's probably pretty hard to deny that kind of claim because, you know, it either burnt down or it didn't, okay? So maybe those claims were harder to weasel out of, I don't know. Anyway, that's the thing. So I have been looking for a company that would provide this same kind of thing. And, you know, I I found one and I put this guy on the show and he's our guest today. And uh, so we'll hear what he has to say. But uh, yeah, I, I did not have a good experience with this other company. Oh, just to finish that story, they sent out an adjuster and then they they suppressed the adjuster's report. They wouldn't give me a copy of it until I had to write them a big lawyerly letter and tell them that I was legally entitled to the adjuster's report. And they finally turned it over after much hassle and very slow processing and and then, you know, eventual denial of my claim. Anyway, hopefully there will be some better experiences uh, from better companies out there. And again, this is just my experience. Some people say they like them fair and balanced here, but I'm telling you my experience, Fernando had a bad experience with them. You've heard Fernando on the show before and several other people have come to me saying the same thing. So 
We want to use good companies that'll take good care of us. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And our guest has an insurance company in Irvine, California, who offers nationwide property insurance, one-stop shop. So again, do your own due diligence, check out anybody you deal with, but I just wanted to bring this topic up because it is a a very convenient thing if you can get it. Now, the other thing I want to uh, tell you is that one of our shows coming up next week I want you to pay particular attention to is Monday's episode. Of course, we've got Flashback Friday where we've got John Malden on the show, America's Economic Outlook. He's author and publisher of Thoughts from the Frontline, a great book uh, that I got into last year after he's been on the show a couple of times. It's called Code Red. It was really quite interesting. Um, I like this wonky economic stuff, you know, monetary and fiscal policy stuff. That was quite interesting. But all of these guys, you know, they they just don't give real estate or I should say income property enough credit with investment because they're usually steeped in the world of Wall Street and the stock market. Wall Street, of course, the modern version of organized crime, as I like to say. Uh, but Monday's show, I've got the founder of a company called We Go Look. Now, you're going to love this because if you want to be empowered as a geographically diversified investor, so you take, you follow my commandment on thou shalt diversify, and you take the most historically proven asset class, but you diversify it geographically because the old saying in real estate is what? All real estate is local. All real estate is local. So two sayings on this, you know, one is don't put all your eggs in one basket. And the other from Andrew Carnegie is put all your eggs in one basket, but watch that basket. And I kind of take a middle ground on these two old sayings, put all your eggs. Well, don't even put all your eggs. Okay. But put a lot of your eggs in the income property basket, but diversify geographically because there's no such thing as a national housing market in a country as large and diverse as the United States. I know we have a worldwide audience. We have listeners in 164 countries. Wow. Thank you so much for listening, listeners around the world. You know, as the empire known as the United States of America, which, by the way, I'm not in favor of this. I think it's absurd and ridiculous. And the military-industrial complex, what do we have military bases in 190 countries or some ridiculous thing like that? Or, no, 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 I think it's like 172 countries, right? And it's arguable how many countries there really are. There's somewhere around 200, give or take. But, uh, you know, we got listeners in 164 countries. So my goal is to have listeners in more countries than the empire known as the U.S. has military bases in. How's that? That's a new goal. I just made it up. Okay, there we go. New goal. We have listeners all around the world, but the United States real estate market is very special for all the reasons I've outlined before on many episodes, not the least of which is it's subsidized by the government for decades now. The data 
market is much more mature in the U.S., meaning we have the customs of the multiple listing service. We have things like Zillow. We have really good county records. So you really know what prices are and you know what things are worth here. And we have a very mature supply chain in terms of the mortgage market, a very mature supply chain in terms of construction and repairs. And and it makes our construction cost oddly very low in the U.S., even though we have higher wages here. I was just talking to someone about that last week when I spoke at my big event audience, 2,000 people, my second largest audience ever. With that, you know, they were talking about how they were, uh, they, they had, what they say, they had a couple properties in Central America. I think they had Costa Rica, Belize, um, uh, I want to say Nicaragua, maybe I can't remember, but they were talking about how high the construction costs were and how you could build so much more inexpensively in the U.S. Now, you'd think that would be the opposite. It's counterintuitive. Yes, you have really cheap labor in those places, but the supply chains and the systems are not mature like they are in the U.S., So that really brings our construction costs way down. We have very low construction costs here uh, compared to many places in the world, even though our labor cost is higher. So a lot of great benefits, of course. But listen, I don't want to get off on a tangent like I always do. You know I do. Go to jasonhartman.com. Join us for our Meet the Masters of Income Property event. It's only once a year. It's in January. It's going to be awesome this year. We've got Garrett Sutton, our first celebrity speaker, multiple best-selling author of several of the Rich Dad, Poor Dad books with uh, Robert Kiyosaki there. He is speaking on Saturday at Meet the Masters of Income Property Investing. It's going to be a great event. I'm off to Orlando tomorrow to do our property tour and creating wealth boot camp there. Our biggest one ever, 58 people registered. Wow. We're looking forward to seeing all of you there. It's going to be a great event, but hey, Let's talk about nationwide property insurance with our guest. Go to jasonhartman.com for all of that stuff. And let's get to our guest, Nationwide Property Insurance. That's not the name of the company, by the way. It's the subject matter. (laughs) So here he is. It's my pleasure to welcome Ed Babkus to the show. He is the founder of RDIS, and they offer something that real estate investors should really perk up and listen to, and that is nationwide insurance. If you're a longtime listener, you know that we had interviewed another company on the show, that's Affinity Group Management or National Real Estate Insurance Group, and we got some complaints, and personally, I didn't have a very good experience with them. I just really miss that whole simplicity of having a nationwide insurance provider because I want to be able to invest in the best markets that make the most sense. And so I'm back, frankly, to, you know, local state-by-state insurance providers for every property, myself or my entity's own own in in, in different states. I got to have a different insurance broker. And, uh, you know, that, that just adds to the complexity. So this kind of solution is really interesting. So perk up and listen to this. Ed, welcome. How are you doing? Doing real well. How about yourself today? Good, good. Good to have you on the show. Tell us, how long have you been offering a nationwide insurance solution? Uh, Ross Diversified, the, the name of my agency, has been around close to 30 years now. And we are licensed in all states and have been offering national 
solutions, national insurance solutions to lenders as well as real estate investors throughout the duration of my career. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how long then for Nationwide? What, what, like what year did this start? Uh, we started uh, the agency back in uh, 1986, and we've been national one year into the birth of the agency. So for about 30 years, we've had national insurance programs. Why is this such a secret? I mean, I'm, I'm deeply, I'm probably more deeply entrenched in this business than anybody else. <laughs> I mean, and, and, you know, I've only heard of a couple of players that do this. And, uh, you know, I had a bad experience with one. We had uh, several client complaints and other people complaining about them and, you know, denying claims and so forth. So, you know, wh- why is this a secret? <laughs> you know, it's, it's a great question. And uh, you know, without trying to go overboard with the answer, from an insurance company's point of view, they're trying to aggregate what, relatively speaking, is a, a small market niche. And then they're trying to find the expertise of agents and brokers like myself to do that. And then, of course, they want to write profitable business. So an agent like myself has to get, become licensed in all 50 states, which we are. And then we vet every program that we look at to see if it's going to work because of the nuances associated with this type of business. For example, you're going to have institutional lenders for some of your investors' real estate, which is going to require loss payee clauses, mortgagee clauses, etc. Then you're going to turn around, you're going to have cash buyers that maybe have actual cash value coverage needs versus replacement cost needs. And so the the options can be uh, can be endless. And to focus in and drill down and find an insurance company or combination thereof that's willing to write this marketplace on a national basis is is not an easy thing to find. Okay, so you are a brokerage. You're not actually the insurance company. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And who is actually underwriting these these policies? Uh, great, great question. Um, acceptance indemnity, an A-rated carrier writes a property coverage and first layer of liability coverage, A-rated. And then Cincinnati Insurance, uh, and these aren't household names, but Cincinnati Insurance is an A-rated carrier that provides a $10 million liability policy for each location under an investor's policy. Wow, a 10, that's a huge policy. I've never heard of anybody having that much insurance on a regular residential type property, maybe, you know, on some commercial properties. I, I could see that, especially industrial types stuff. It, it's something that's, that's nice to have that umbrella policy that gives you the comfort and it doesn't jack the premiums up. You'd, you'd be surprised how competitive the entire program is. Okay, good. So explain those layers of insurance. You know, I think that might have been one of the problems with National Real Estate Insurance Group or Affinity Group in getting, you know, in them denying claims that, you know, several people thought were were unfair denials. But of course, you know, that's a a matter of opinion, right? So I do want to give that disclaimer and, you know, happy to hear their side of the story too. But how do those layers work? You know, there's so much uh, naivety, I guess, with insurance. I mean, your business is to buy that home at the right price, rehab it, get a renter in there, and make sure cash flows to hit your rate of return. I mean, that seems to be the general mindset of most of the investors that we're, we're dealing with, and they get a handle on their expenses, and they, they know what they got going in, and they know what they got going out, and they look at it as insurance is a component expense, so whether the house cash flows at 7.85 or 7.82, you know, whether the insurance is 400 bucks or 500 bucks, whatever you, you put aside for it. And unfortunately, that's where all the attention stops, 
and that's why investors can run into problems with insurance claims because they really don't look to see exactly what they're purchasing. And I'm not going to take a, a, a shot at anybody because I don't know what was disclosed to anybody. But when you get into programs that are nationwide, they're normally done on a blanket basis, which means that the insurance provider says, I need to find somebody who can aggregate all these investors and who can hold their hand, tell them what they have, explain the program correctly, and make sure we're all on the same page. So I'm working with a wonderful brokerage called Mahoney that's been able to do this with the carriers we mentioned, Acceptance Indemnity and Cincinnati A-rated carriers. And the key here, without trying to get too buried into the minutia, is that what you're being offered matches the exact same coverage that's been issued to the brokerage firm. When there's a discrepancy, for example, if if I have a policy that says X and somebody else has a policy that says Y, those discrepancies is what gets everyone into a state of misunderstanding. If those discrepancies are pointed out going in, it may make a lot of sense to choose that option. We don't prefer to market those and we don't market programs that have discrepancies. What we present to you is exactly the insurance line for line, item for item, that's being underwritten by acceptance indemnity and by Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. Okay. So with the layers of coverage issue, though, you, you know, does, does your firm do any of the coverage? So let's, let's take an example. Let's, that's the best way to do it. So someone has a uh, property. Let's assume it's a single-family home. I'm sure you do apartments and so forth, too, probably. But uh, let's say it's a single-family home. And the house is worth $100,000, and a pipe breaks, and they have a claim. And the claim is for $25,000. Is your agency going to be paying any of that claim, or is it simply one underwriter? And what would be the typical deductible? Or are there two carriers? See, insurance companies do this sometimes to spread their risk, too, which is logical. And you'll have multiple claim payers in there, right? Uh, so I, I understand exactly what you're asking, and that's where I uh, perhaps wasn't as clear when I said look for the discrepancies between the coverages between carrier A and carrier B. Here, there is only one insurance carrier for the property damage. That's acceptance indemnity. And you have deductible options to choose as a consumer up front, ranging from 1000 to 10000 And that's exactly what's in the coverage of the program. There is no self-insuring, which you may be alluding to when you say layers of insurance. There is no uh, retention, which is another form of layering the insurance by the broker. The insurance carrier is on the risk for 100% of the claim, less the deductible chosen by the consumer or by the investor. What is the typical deductible in these policies? Uh, the beauty of this program is that you have your choice of deductible ranging from $1,000 to $10,000. We have uh, many foreign investors who prefer a $10,000 deductible because they want the premiums down, and we see on the average deductibles being chosen really around the $5,000 mark. Okay. And do you agree, you know, there's a big uh, big school of thought on these deductibles is that, you know, uh, the, the likelihood is that it's worth it to increase the deductible and keep the premiums lower. You know, it's always this matching between the two. It's this balancing between the two. What 
is your opinion on the sort of that sweet spot for a deductible? Is it five thousand or twenty five hundred, or what's your thought? My thought is twenty five hundred is a great is a great deductible. Your premiums are not going to be too expensive at all. Uh, in fact, they're going to be very very moderately priced, and you're not going to be filing a claim because there's a leak under the kitchen sink or because the uh, the hot water heater broke in the garage and there might be some small drywall damage. So you're not going to file a bunch of nuisance claims, which is eventually going to be cause for your premiums either to go up or your for your policy to be canceled. Yeah. Okay. All right. And do you insure in every state, all all 50 states? We we do, and that's one of the beauties of this program. Here is each investor is issued. Their own blanket program with their own identification number for their portion of the policy. And what that means is that uh, when they call our office, they'll already be on file. Uh, they'll give us a property address and about seven or eight components of what's needed for us to quote, for example, the year built, the, uh, the ownership, if there's going to be a loss payee, if they're using institutional financing or even hard money financing. If there's a property manager who needs to be named as an additional insured, et cetera, et cetera. So we, we get our information necessary. We then turn a quote around in about 24 hours. It gives the investor the, the various options of the $1,000 deductible to the $10,000 deductible range. And depending on the amount of coverage and where the zip code is of that property and then the deductible, those are the three drivers of the rate that we use to calculate what the premium is going to be. Okay. When someone gets an insurance policy from you, do you check their credit report or does the carrier check their credit report? I, I've noticed that's like a sort of a new, well, I guess it's not so new anymore, but it's been going on for the last several years that that's starting to happen now. Is that a uh, is that an indicator of claims liability? It, it is to a degree. To, to a degree. I think the insurance carrier is always trying to tweak. There's always actuaries that are trying to tweak and underwrite a little bit more carefully. Theoretically, the logic is that if you have a bad credit score, you don't have the money to repair the roof or maintain the property in a condition that would preclude it from having as much claims as someone else who is maintaining their property meticulously. That's, that's the logic behind it. As to our program here, we don't run credit. We're looking at the property. We're looking at where it's located. Uh, if an investor is buying the property and using it as a as a rental, our feeling is that the investor is of, of good standing if they have the wherewithal to be buying uh, single-family homes for, for investment purposes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, what about entities? Our clients have found it to be a little bit more challenging, although not impossible, when they own their properties inside of LLCs and they have that limited liability company, um, you know, that the, the, the normal insurance companies out there will usually want to charge them a premium. You know, maybe that policy will be harder to find. It'll be more expensive. And I encountered this myself uh, as well on a couple of deals. It's all over the board. You're, you're right. It varies per the insurance company. You know, insurance companies all have their unique set of underwriting rules and guidelines that dictate exactly how they're going to administer their particular program, whether it's State Farm or all states or any of the big ones versus any of the, the small names that are still A-rated, very well financially solved, solvent carriers who, who aren't household names. And with this program here, there's no problems with LLCs. There's no problems with uh, benefit plans. We get a lot of 401ks uh, that, you know, the properties may be held in and certainly, you know, trusts, family trust is, is almost a given on many of these as well. 
And the beauty of, of this program here, without trying to oversell it, is that, you know, we're approved by uh, Dwell, which is a major financing source, and B2R, you know, uh, uh, subsidiaries of, uh, of Blackstone that are doing so much financing on these homes these days. So when we go through their insurance guidelines and they vet us, it makes me feel that much better than I can have a conversation with you like this. It lets me know I'm, I'm marketing the right program. Uh-huh. Okay, so now I, I assume this next question is going to be pretty hard for, uh, to answer, but what are the rates? I mean, you, you know, you can't quote rates probably <laughs> because you don't know that you don't know the property. It depends on so many things. But. Right. It, it is a, a pretty, a pretty broad question. That said, I'm still going to try to give you an answer that you can almost hold me to, uh, barring few exceptions. Um, insurance is going to range from a rate of, let's say, 35 cents to 42 cents. So what, what does that mean? It means for $100,000 of coverage, it might be $350. That's what a 35-cent rate equates to. A uh, 42-cent rate on a $100,000 home equates to 420 bucks. Uh, certain zip codes are even lower, and certain zip codes are certainly higher. But if I was to feel comfortable giving you a range, uh, that that would be what it is. And then, of course, the deductible can bring those rates down or up accordingly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when you talked about those rates, and I just want you to go over that math so people know how to actually calculate the insurance rate. What's the number of cents per $100 or per $1,000? You know, it's $0.35, cents, so a $100,000 home at a 35 cent rate is going to cost $350. So so you multiply 35 cents times the number of thousands in the price, right? Right. And that'll get you your premium. Okay. So what kind of deductible will that 35 cent number apply to? Uh, usually the $2,500 deductible. But again, I, I can't. Which is the one you recommend? I can't overemphasize yeah. that it's zip code driven. Uh, please, please don't lose sight of that because yeah, okay. if you if you tell me we're in in uh, Dade County in Miami or if we're in a little county in Missouri or another county in Tennessee, I wouldn't want you to hold me to these these specifics. Yeah, I got you. No problem. We won't hold you to it, listeners. Everything is subject to change. <laughs> the, the one thing I would like to really point out, because this is where there's a lot of mystique, and unfortunately, in, in my 30 years that we're educating investors all the time, when I go to various meetings and I speak at various meetings, sometimes we overlook the basics. And when I say the basics, I'm talking about actual cash value versus replacement cost. And for for those that are unaware, actual cash value... That's what I was going to get into. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad you're going into that. Good. That was my next set of questions. So it, it's, it's the number one issue that we see people get upset on claims outside of just poor claim payment, you know, that being an issue all unto itself. But as far as misunderstanding of coverage, if, if you think of actual cash value like a car that depreciates every year, the insurance companies use a program, uh, Marshall Swift Beck is a major software company uh, that provides this information for the industry. And they'll look at zip codes, they'll look at material costs, they'll look at labor rates, etc. And they'll come up with the value of what a house should be. And then they'll apply maybe a 60-year life to that house or a 70-year life to that house. And various insurance companies will offer what we call actual cash value coverage. Somewhere I'm going is when you have a fire, they'll depreciate the loss. So if the loss is truly 50000 but the house is 45 years old or 50 years old, you may end up with a check for nine or $10,000 after the deductible. And a lot of agents, and, and I love my industry, I truly do, 
won't really explain the difference carefully on why a premium is maybe 300 bucks or 400 bucks but if the 400 bucks gets you the $50,000 versus the $9,000 means you're getting a good replacement cost policy versus a stripped down actual cash value policy. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you recommend then that people get replacement cost insurance, right? A- absolutely. My my job as a as a broker agent if you will is to make sure that when there's a claim you walk away happy. Because that's, uh, you know, as, as cliche-ish as that sounds, that's really the reality. My heat level goes up if you're not happy with the claim. And after 30 years, I, I don't need the heat. So we explain what the benefits are of the program. We explain why you should have one coverage versus another. And we'll have people sign disclosures if they choose certain coverages that we quite frankly don't believe fit the risk. Mm-hmm. Okay, just so they really know that they're, they're what they're getting into. Talk a little bit about some of the other types of insurance you offer. For example, you know, many of our listeners are hard money lenders. And then, you know, some might occasionally buy a note on a property or, well, actually, no, we, you know, in, in um, one of our markets, uh, we do a lot of people, we have a lot of people that buy um, land contracts on properties, which actually is a good insurance question. When a land contract is created, okay, and one of our investors buys that land contract at a discount, the way a land contract works is really the person living in the house technically does not have the deed until they follow all the terms of that land contract and pay it off. So who is really responsible for insurance? Now, I, I have had this question asked and answered with a different person, but I'd, I'd like to hear it from the insurance man himself. <laughs> Certainly. No, no. And it's a great question because land contracts are almost defined as lease options, if you will. Um, it's, it makes it easy to, uh, to evict uh, versus foreclose. I mean, all the, the nuances of using the land contract vehicle. Our perspective is that it is, like you mentioned, when you do a land contract as a seller, you're still the owner. And as a consequence, if the person who executed the land contract lets the insurance lapse or doesn't pay their insurance, that you, to protect your interest, should go ahead and and place insurance on that property, listing yourself as the insured. Right. Okay. So do you list yourself as the, do you have them list you as additional insured or do you get your own policy? As a land contract, I would list myself as the insured and list the person in the property as an additional insured. Okay. Now, you, so, so in other words, you would take on the burden of getting your own insurance. And charge it to the person moving into the property. Oh, okay. So it wouldn't be like there'd be double policies then, really. Correct. Most of the, uh, the investment community, again, is, is looking at that IRR, and I truly get it, uh, being an investor myself. IRR, of course, is internal rate of return. And what you're saying there, Ed, is that most investors are just looking at their return on investment, right? That's what you meant by that, right? Correct. And if they can forego the insurance expense, uh, many times that's what they prefer to do. The reality is these investors, however, aren't tracking the insurance. So if the borrower elects not to pay it for whatever reason and the place burns down, 
the investor is is out of luck. Yeah, yeah. Well, that is why I really think using a loan servicing company, a good reputable loan servicing company that will manage that insurance component as well as collect payments and service the loan is a, is a really good idea. It just makes life a lot easier. I, I agree with you completely, but uh, it's amazing how many uh, investors are out there servicing their own notes. Yeah, yeah, that's true. No question about it. So w- with this type of insurance or with someone that's doing hard money loans all the time and, and maybe they've got a bunch of them out there, what should they do if they're, if they're a hard money lender? I mean, of course, hopefully the title company or the escrow company is managing the insurance component and naming them as additional insured, but I don't know, maybe not. You got to be careful with this stuff. Can they buy like a blanket policy through you that makes it really simple and easy? Uh, what they can do is, uh, you know, without trying to, to get too crazy here, but the reality is they can call our office. We have a program, again, that's good for all over the country that investors can call in and say, my borrower has let their insurance lapse. Again, we're talking about the hard money lender now. My borrower has let the insurance lapse. I need to place property uh, coverage. Can you help me? We, we, we get those calls daily, routinely. And we have a program that allows that investor to choose the amount of coverage they want to put on that property. And those rates are going to be higher than our rental program rates because the investor is what would generally be termed force-placing insurance onto that property on behalf of his borrower. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, good. Anything else people should know? Maybe a question I didn't ask you about insurance. Uh, Just anything else they should know? Yeah, I think things like... um, Loss of rent. How important is that? Oh, good point. Yeah, didn't uh, you know what? That would have been a glaring omission. Talk about loss of rent insurance and whether or not they should buy that kind of coverage. Well, we're seeing it required more and more when we name institutional lenders on onto the policy. Most lenders want to see a year of rent, so we decided to double it, and we provide two years loss of rents with our program. So not to uh, overkill just for the sake of overkilling, there's, there's nothing like having that money come in if the place burns to the ground. And again, the, the, the premium is not even hardly impacted at all by that type of a benefit. So loss of rents is, is something certainly uh, that works. Vacancy is another thing if we're talking about rental properties. These go vacant from time to time. Uh, they could go vacant for a month. They could go vacant for four months. The traditional insurance companies, as soon as you notify them it's vacant, they start reducing coverage or they send you out cancellation notices. Uh, with our program, we allow that property to go vacant for as long as six months before we'll start reducing any sort of coverages. And those are the little things that, that we tell you going in, but the, the things that are nice so that in the event of a claim on a property that's been vacant three or four months, you're not going to have issue. Uh, that's something that we certainly make make everyone aware of, that we understand what we're insuring. We're, we're not the state farm agent who says, yeah, I, I can write you a, a policy on a rental house who may not have a real good depiction of what he's doing. Absolutely. Does your policy require that people have a property manager or can they self-manage? We're, we're finding, interestingly, a lot of people that are very successfully self-managing their income properties from a distance, myself included. Interesting. Interesting. I applaud those people, first of all. <laughs> uh, but second of all, it, to your point. It, I, I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying you could have done that very effectively 15, 20 years ago. The reason it's so effective now is because you have so many technologies that make it easier. You have Google Earth, you know, you have Street View, you have uh, services like wegolook.com. And 
there's just a lot of really good tools nowadays to, to make this stuff much easier than it used to be. I, I don't disagree with you, and I think probably the, the size of your portfolio and where you're at in life might, might dictate some of those, uh, those circumstances in, in decision-making. The insurance is not impacted at all, whether you're self-managed or whether you're using a property management company. Uh, with our program, we can certainly endorse any property management company onto it. Okay, so property manager required or not? Just want to make sure that's clear to the listeners. With our program, it, it, it doesn't matter. We're happy to add property managers as additional insureds. But people be. can self-manage, right? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Good. Any other type of insurance you provide that people might want to know about, just uh, generally? This really is our niche. We've been fortunate to be successful in, in this real estate community and providing these types of programs and haven't had to stray too far from it. We've done a, uh, we do have a marketplace for some of the LLCs that want to get errors and emissions or professional liability for their, their LLCs, uh, and we're happy to provide that as well. But the primary function of what we do here truly is insure real estate all over the country. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Ed, thank you so much for the info, and we will be, uh, I'm sure, sending some referrals your way so people can check this out in more detail. We really appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show. Look forward to it and uh, would love to quote your portfolio. I've never really thought of Jason as subversive, but I just found out that's what Wall Street considers him to be. Really? Now, how is that possible at all? Simple. Wall Street believes that real estate investors are dangerous to their schemes because the dirty truth about income property is that it actually works in real life. I know. I mean, how many people do you know, not including insiders, who created wealth with stocks, bonds, and mutual funds? Those options are for people who only want to pretend they're getting ahead. Stocks and other non-direct traded assets are a losing game for most people. The typical scenario is you make a little, you lose a little, and spin your wheels for decades. That's because the corporate crooks running the stock and bond investing game will always see to it that they win. This means, unless you're one of them, you will not win. And unluckily for Wall Street, Jason has a unique ability to make the everyday person understand investing the way it should be. He shows them a world where anything less than a 26% annual return is disappointing. Yep, and that's why Jason offers a one-book set on creating wealth that comes with 20 digital download audios. He shows us how we can be excited about these scary times and exploit the incredible opportunities this present economy has afforded us. We can pick local markets untouched by the economic downturn, exploit packaged commodities investing, and achieve exceptional returns safely and securely. I like how he teaches you how to protect the equity in your home before it disappears and how to outsource your debt obligations to the government. And this set of advanced strategies for wealth creation is being offered for only $197. To get your Creating Wealth Encyclopedia Book 1, complete with over 20 hours of audio, go to jasonhartman.com forward slash store. If you want to be able to sit back and collect checks every month just like a banker, Jason's Creating Wealth Encyclopedia series is for you. This show is produced by the Hartman Media Company, all rights reserved. For distribution or publication rights and media interviews, please visit www.hartmanmedia.com or email media at hartmanmedia.com.
www.thepowerofpositivityradio.com. Nothing on this show should be considered specific personal or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, or business professional for individualized advice. Opinions of guests are their own, and the host is acting on behalf of Platinum Properties Investor Network, Inc. exclusively.